Waking Wraith by Alexander Walter Campbell Chapter 1 The Awakening Katie's eyes widened. Her father leaned forward and pulled back, refraining from giving her a loving, squishing cuddle. Gushing with tears, he cried, Katie, my beautiful baby, you've returned. Predicting he was about to lose control, she cleared her throat and said, Come on, Dad, there's no way you'd make it without me. Who'd stop you from eating too much pizza? He paused, then he cried emphatically, It's a miracle. A young doctor, whom she recognised, walked through the door. On seeing her, he almost jumped out of his skin. He rushed to the side of the bed and pulled an emergency cord. Giggling, she asked, Is my dad's an emotional wobbly in emergency? The doctor didn't reply. He checked her heart rate monitor and removed a torch from his pocket. Mr Peruzzi, Katie's father, said, You keep that thing away from her. Don't ruin this miracle. Reacting to the alarm, the room got filled with many white coats in no time, checking readings and desperately trying to prod and poke her. Mr Peruzzi, defiant, made sure that no one touched the miracle. Catherine Peruzzi. Eventually, after listening to her reasoning, he allowed them to examine her and run tests. After several long examinations and hugs and tears from her father, her eyelids weighed and closed. The day had taken its toll on her weakened body. By a whispery of, Katie, she was gently awoken in the middle of the night. Raising herself, she saw her father was asleep by her side. An olive-skinned doctor with dark hair, who was only a few years older than her, whispered again, You're a miracle. Her eyes focused, but her mind was still hazy. Clutching a crucifix, his eyes filled with joy and intrigue. He continued, wary lest he wakes her intolerant father. You've been to the land, haven't you? Before she could answer, he explained, anyone who wakes up from Glasgow Level 3 must have. Through a dry mouth, she replied, what's Glasgow Level 3? The doctor gently poured a cup of water and helped her drink it. It's the deepest coma. For you to awake and be as responsive as you are, it's almost unheard of. Katie, you chose not to continue your journey. You came back. She asked, do you know of Festavia? I've never visited. Was that where you went? I did, and it was the most amazing place. It was a land of parting. I completed the quest. Katie's father began to stir. He watched him settle and whispered, I better go now. We should talk again. And quietly, he left. Katie, dreadfully fatigued, fell back asleep. The morning sun flickered through the inadequate blinds. Why did they even bother put them up, she thought. She'd woken early. Her father was still asleep, breathing in deeply. She almost choked and thought, he stinks. It's like he's played a sevens tournament and not showered for a week. Staring at his matted hair, she smiled in sympathy and affection. Hygiene was obviously the least of his concerns. He really loves me, she thought to herself. Sensing she was awake, he lifted his head from the plastic edge of the chair, leaving a red imprint on his cheek. Dad, you're knackered. Go home, wash, shave and have some sleep. He rubbed his face and said, My eyes are staying fixed on you. She rubbed his back affectionately. It's okay, I'm safe. You've said that many times. You said, I'm a grown woman, I can handle myself, but look at you now, you're covered in wires. What happened, Katie? How did this happen? Where did I go wrong? Gazing into his pained, deep brown eyes, she said, Dad, you've done everything. This has nothing to do with you. It's my fault. A tear rolled down his cheek and he caught it with his thick finger and said, You cry like your mother. It tortures me. Holding back her tears, she said, Dad, we all miss her. I'm sorry I put you through this. It wasn't fair on you. You've been through enough. 
With both his rugged palms, he dried his face. His mood changed and he regained composure. If your mother was alive, she'd be moving into your student house and following you to school every day. She'd never leave your side. Well, my room has a single bed and my flatmates wouldn't want a hairy bear on their couch. It looks like you're just going to have to video call me instead. He did his best to hide a smirk. I'm going to take a shower. There's one down the corridor. Young lady, we have lots of talking to do. Stay awake and stay there. Her eyebrow rose to a point. While she waited for her father's lecturing return, she listened to the birds tweet. She thought, people can be like birds, tweeting away to one another. The ward was quiet and peaceful. She leaned back into her thick, soft pillow. Knock, knock. The open door to the room was tapped repeatedly by a nervous but excited young man holding a folder. Excitedly, she cried, Bradley, what are you doing here? With a sigh of relief, he replied, what a miracle. You sound like my dad. I've woken up a thousand times before. Coming closer, he gazed intently as if he was looking for a sign of resurrection anywhere on her body. He asked, how are you so okay? I don't know. Apparently, I've woken up from a Glasgow Level 3. Apparently, it's unique. I'd never been unique before. Katie, you didn't need to bang your head to be special, he giggled. Bradley was her university friend, and on the same course. In a large, well-organised colour-coded folder, he prepared revision notes for her. She hardly attended any seminars or lectures, so no one picked her for project groups. Bradley was not a natural academic, but he worked very hard to make up for it. Taking pity on her, he invited her into his group. He vouched for her by saying that he would do her share, even if she didn't pull her weight. Hey Bradley, her dad had returned. Mr Prutzi, this is marvellous, she's awake. Come here, and he pulled him in for a hug. Puzzled, she asked, you know each other? Her dad replied, yes, this wonderful guy has been visiting every single day. While you were asleep, he read his notes to you. Katie, he's a keeper. Wishing the ground could swallow him, Bradley blushed. Noticing his discomfort, she brushed the comment away by saying, awkward, don't listen to my dad, Bradley. He's the king of embarrassment. You should see his dad dancing. Bradley chuckled and called to a light red. The room was once again filled with doctors hovering around a stern, elderly colleague. They were most curious to study her recovery. Several junior doctors flocked around the oldest who showed no emotion. He strolled to her bedside and ordered all but Dr Lambert, the youngest qualified doctor, to leave. Mr Peruzzi gave both doctors scathing looks. They had turned off her life support machine. He remained furious and distrusting. The oldest doctor, who had thin grey hair and a small spectacles, mumbled and hummed. He consulted his clipboard and turned to Dr Lambert, gave him a prodding stare. After a few seconds, Dr Lambert seemed to understand his inquiry and eagerly said, Dr Godfrey, her pupil movement is fine. Her ICP levels are 15 mmHg. The CT scans show that her brain has recovered. He nodded and turned, her, turned to her and said, Before waking, what was your last memory? On earth or on Festavia? Festavia, Dr Godfrey repeated. It's the land I ventured through. With the help of my friends, I completed the quest. Then I chose to come back to Earth, Katie hurriedly explained. Dr. Godfrey peered down towards her. Sliding his glasses down his nose, he stared. Dr. Lambert, your cognitive analysis still needs work. Katie, I'm sorry to disturb you. You must rest. We shall return in a few hours. I can't sleep. In fact, I'm ready to go to the cafe. Do they have pancakes? Dr. Godfrey chuckled and said, Not just yet, dear. You shouldn't raise your blood sugar. Please rest. Once you awake, we will do more examinations. You've had a severe trauma. You'll need time to recover. Bradley, who pulled up a chair next to Mr. Peruzzi, waited until the doctors had left. He smiled endearly to her and asked, Vestavia? 
She breathed in deeply and sighed. It's a very, very long story, but Festavia is why I'm here today. Mr. Prutz interjected passionately. No, Katie, the good Lord spared you. All had given up hope. The doctors had switched you off and I was left with a shattered heart. The good Lord doesn't usually spare silly regards like you. What were you doing, taking drugs? The most ever allowed you is a glass of Fiano Diavolino. She squinted her eyes. Allowed, Dad. I'm not your property. I'm your daughter. Bradley, feeling terribly uncomfortable, slipped from his chair while Katie's father, without care for his surroundings, lectured her profusely. Over her father's shoulder, Bradley indicated they'd be back. She smiled back with her eyes. After a day more of further examinations and regular checkups, she was exhausted. She talked to everyone who'd listened about her adventure in Festavia. All she concluded thought she'd dreamt it, but she knew what she'd experienced. She told herself, Festavia is real, otherwise why am I so well? Against the wishes of her doctors, her dad was back by her side. They had told him, as she was stable, he should go home and have some sleep. But he refused. He insisted, I am seeing my daughter safely over the line. I don't trust you lot to make the final pass. She slept erratically and awoke at 2am. She'd been transferred to the recovery ward and her bed's privacy curtains were open. The lights were dimmed, the machines hummed, a nurse from the desk in the far corner flicked through her patient's notes. An occasional trolley passed the door. It was far quieter than the day, the last time she'd visited a hospital. She was hysterical. Now she was peaceful. She'd won a battle and it felt good. She'd chosen to return and now her brain was racing with thoughts for opportunities and adventures. She thought, what am I to do with my time? She'd never asked herself that question before. Her life at school was a numbness, and at university it was impulsive. She never thought further than a week. Now she was thinking big, and wanted to live her life to the fullest. The olive-skinned doctor walked into the ward and strolled up to her side. Smirking, she asked, another night visit, doctor? He glanced at her father. Don't worry, he sleeps like a log. The doctor looked inquisitive but nervous. He whispered, I've come to check your responsiveness. We both know that's not true. You believe me, don't you? He sat next to her and answered, Yes. I'm most curious. In Mexico, it's her culture to not be afraid of the spirit world, but accept it's there. Every year we celebrate the Day of the Dead. Did you meet the dead? Oh no, they were definitely alive, some more than on Earth. After hearing an overview of her adventure, the doctor, who was called Julio Asuela, said, You've had a test and been given an opportunity. Katie... I visit you when it's quiet because my colleagues wouldn't approve. Medicine is a science, and science is a gift given to us to help understand our chaotic existence. There's a conflict among those who study only logic. They struggle with the unknown. I respect my colleagues, but they wouldn't respect me if I share too much. Don't be dismayed if many don't believe you, and try not to waste your time convincing them. Some will never know until they have to. She said, I guess I've talked like a preacher. Yes. They're still under the impression you're cognitively impaired. You're very coherent. I'd better go. Get some rest. Your story's inspirational. Wide awake, her eyes wandered around the ward. She wrestled with her thoughts. Doubt creeped into her mind. Was she deluded and her mind still lost? To distract herself, she reached for Bradley's notes. It took both hands. The binder was sectioned and colour-coded. He made lengthy summaries for each unit and he'd underline key paragraphs. She thought, what a busy boy. Upon flicking through, dread filled her mind. She whispered, there's too much. She'd been asleep for two weeks. It was March 
which meant there was only two months left before her assignments had to be submitted and the first of the final exams sat. Through a small spotlight attached to her bed, she read studiously and later, to the sound of tweeting birds, she fell asleep. I'll move this, Mr. Prucci said to her nurse holding a breakfast tray. The folder was spread open across her chest. Sitting up, she wiped away the sleep from her eyes. She's a fussy eater. It'll take some persuading, her dad reported to the nurse. The nurse placed the tray on a sliding table and pushed it over the bed. Lifting the metallic lid, she said sarcastically, jacket potato, beans and salad. Nice breakfast. Her dad laughed. It's lunch. You're already back to your school sleeping ways. He shrugged his shoulders and winked at the nurse. It's university, dad, and leave the poor lady alone. She probably's had enough flirty old men talk to her today. The nurse smiled and said, isn't he your brother? As she left, grinning from ear to ear, he said, still got it. I'm maturing like a fine wine. She tutted. Then you better go and blow the dust off and get dating. Hmm, we'll see. He massaged his potato cuff, sore from lifting heavy in the gym. Dr. Godfrey, Dr. Lambert and Dr. Sweller came to a side. Dr. Godfrey consoled his notes and said, you've made an unusual full recovery. I would pass you on your functional assessment. I'm concerned for your cognitive awareness. She asked, why is that? You believe your dreams are real. This concerns me. Doctor, on the very top of your head is a large mole. You should always wear a sun hat. My granddad had skin cancer in the very same place. The doctor studied her. She continued, Dr. Lambert, you have an awful way of delivering bad news. You made a massive form of rugby forward cry. Katie's dad interjected. How do you know these things? I was watching from Festavia. Dr. Godfrey rubbed the top of his head and said, My wife insists I wear a cap. Your observation skills are very astute. You must, you must be at least six foot. I'd have to stand on a chair to see that. Hmm. You'd be surprised what the subconscious picks up on and what it does to reinforce its beliefs. When you have suffered a deep coma such as yourself, you can dream very deeply. It can distort your reality when you wake. Sitting up and combing her hair back, she said, Mr. Godfrey, in a dull tone, he corrected, Doctor. She blinked slowly. I know what's real and what's not. It's you that needs a functional exam. <clears throat> Dr. Sweller coughed loudly. She caught his eyes and he gave a hopeless look. She concluded, I must really leave here ASAP. I've got my final exams to do. Katie's father said, It's okay. Bradley's kept university informed. You can repeat your last year. No, Dad, I've only missed two weeks. I'm finishing it like everyone else. There was a silence and Dr. Sweller said, her determination seems to be functioning fine. Dr. Godfrey turned and peered down disapprovingly to the shorter Dr. Sweller. He slowly turned back to the resting, defiant Katie and said, It's a very busy time and we're short on beds. I'm prepared to discharge you, provided you agree to visit a clinical psychologist. I advise you to use the sessions and gain an understanding of why you took the overdose. Prevention is better than cure. You can also talk through your dreams with a professional. She bit her lip and wanted the bite back. But her priority now was to leave. Mr. Peruzzi gladly concluded, Thank you, Doctor. My thoughts exactly. She will attend, that's for sure. She glared at her dad, shaking his head in response. He said sternly, That's not going to work, young lady. There won't be a next time. The good Lord, she interrupted, doesn't save silly regazes like me. She turned her head. Frowning and tapping his clipboard, Dr. Godfrey abruptly said, Support is what's needed. I'll write a letter for your GP. You'll need regular checkups. I'd also like you to visit a neurological and trauma research centre. Further analysis is needed. The doctors emptied the room. Katie remained sitting up, blankly staring at her dad. She said, They seem odd. Yes, there'd be nothing but trouble. They wanted to turn you off. Giggling, she said, 
That's lucky, it takes a lot to turn me on. Mm. Dr. Oswella returned. He put his hands in his pockets and tucked his white coat behind him. Katie's dad tightened his jaw. Katie put her hand on his clenched fist and said loudly, Hello Julio, meet my dad. Julio answered, Hello Mr. Peruzzi, I haven't been able to speak to you personally yet. No, I've been ganged up on. I'm sorry you feel this way. That has not been my colleague's intention. They're shocked at your daughter's recovery. They, well, are puzzled. Some are even embarrassed. I think it's remarkable. She's very lucky to have had a second chance. Mr. Peruzzi relaxed and leaned in his back in his chair. With his hand, he guessed it casually and said with a sigh, Yes, the good Lord has spared her. Katie sat up and said, I would like to leave. I'm sure this bed is needed. Yes, of course. We shall have a discharge documents for you in an hour. It's been great meeting you, Katie. After he left, Katie's dad beamed a smile through his grisly beard. She said, Dad, not every man who speaks to me fancies me. He cradled his chin and looked up. A doctor? Now that would make a great son-in-law. You're not marrying me off, Dad. I'm 21, she said emphatically in between amusement and caution. You need a good man. This will stop you running around, getting up to mischief. My parents were married at 19. That's how it should be. There's too much choice these days. Dad, we're not in the stone age. There's more to life than just settling down. He tapped the bedside table and said, we'll start with Bradley. He's a good boy and hardworking too. He'll sort you out. Dad, if you don't stop, I'll get the bus. Speak of the devil. He spotted Bradley waiting apprehensively at the end of the ward. Come here, my good man. And he patted a chair next to him. A rare flush of red filled her cheeks. She gave her father a stern look. With pride, he announced, the university has given you an extension for your individual assignments. All you have to do is submit the group assignments and sit the exams. Her red flush dulled. Bradley, you're a star, but I've decided to finish like everyone else. Bradley tilted his head back and lifted his eyebrows. Katie, I think you should take it. The extra two weeks could get you a 2-1. I don't deserve it. I want to get what I deserve. Her father interrupted. Don't wish that. Only cats get nine lives. She turned her head away. Bradley said, OK, if that's what you want, you're going to need to work your butt off. Some of the exams will be a doddle, but the business finance and business law exams won't be. You'll need to know your stuff. That's why I have you, my brain box. Katie's father leaned over. You can't expect Bradley to do it for you. He's done enough. Sorry, what I meant was, can I study with you? He chuckled. I've already booked our place to the library for a month. That's my boy, roared Mr. Prusy. His hand clamped Bradley's shoulder, making him jump. Katie's red flush resurfaced. Bradley stayed until the doctors arrived with her discharge papers. Some of the younger doctors smiled and congratulated her, but Dr. Godfrey was brief and direct. He hurried them along. She overheard there were several new admissions, all drug overdoses needing urgent attention. In a shower room, she readied herself from a bundle of clothes she'd left behind at her father's house. It was a stark choice. Being a man, he had not thought to bring makeup or even hair products. Using an elastic band given by the ward's receptionist, she tied her hair up and put her father's old blue and white 1997 rugby top on. With ease, the skinny jeans slid on. She'd lost several pounds. Her father had brought her old comfy Reebok classic trainers that she used to wear as teenagers around town. There, not bad, she thought. Her face was slightly pale, but apart from that, she looked well. She fussed with her top. She wanted to look casual but feminine too. A fine balance to achieve from this mix. She loosened the two top buttons and rolled up her sleeves. Then spontaneously she let her hair down and added volume by needling it with her fingers. She parted it over her shoulders with one last fiddle with her shirt buttons. She smiled to herself. She was done. Striding back to the ward, she saw waiting by her bedside Dr Lambert and Dr Sweller, plus her father looking scheming and mischievous. When she arrived, both doctors' eyes widened. Dr Sweller said, Wonderful, you look well. Don't you agree, Dr Lambert? 
who struggled to keep a straight expression, replied, um, Yes, remarkable. Her father said, So, young men, if you know of any good doctors that don't turn off life support machines, my daughter is looking for a good man. Dad! she screamed in desperation. Dr. Lambert stood straight and checked his pager. Dr. Sweller said, I'm sure she has a line longer than the Sistine Chapel. Yes, Julio, but if you don't have a wife, I'll give you a cue jump. Dad, I'm off. Hey, I'm joking, eh? From her face, you can tell she's better. Don't let her put you off. She can cook very well. He was enjoying himself. Often he took pleasure in embarrassing her, so she chose not to react. She said rather dismissively, Right, gentlemen, thank you for my stay. As nice as it was, I don't intend to be back. Thanks so much for your care. Some people moan about the NHS, but it served me well. She extended her hand and shook both their hands firmly. To a confused and disapproving look from Dr. Lambert, Dr. Swiller passed her a palm-sized wooden crucifix. Here, take this. It was made in my hometown. It'll keep you safe. Thud. Katie's dad slapped Dr. Sweller's back and then gave a critical glance at Dr. Lambert. Julio, you're a nice guy. It's a shame there's not much of you in the world. Dr. Lambert checked his notes. Katie said zealously, Hey, Dr. Lambert. He reared his head slowly. The last time I saw a pager was in a museum. He smirked and replied, Yes, we still use them. They have stronger reception than mobiles. Well, you learn something new every day. Thanks, Dr. Lambert and Dr. Sweller. You're all lifesavers, literally. Trying not to let her father speak, she said her goodbyes. On the way out, she muttered, Sometimes, Dad, you're so embarrassing.